When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe, and we have got a treat today. I've been waiting for this. I've been ready for this, and it's about to get started. One of the most colorful characters in wrestling history. Terrific worker. Great heel. Held a ton of titles all over the world. Trained a big part of WWE's main events that you see today in wrestling and have seen for the last 20 years. He is Mr. Rip Rogers. Rip, welcome to the show. Holy shit, what a goddamn introduction. Oh, I cussed already. Well, hey, <laughs> come on. Be your, we told you to be yourself. Okay. <laughs> okay, but can you say something? But that was awesome. I should have taped that, and I could have put it on uh, the front of everybody else. Says, over here today, we got the old ass, the old grumpy old man over there. Hey, We're Rip, super- you should have taped it. That's what we're doing. That's that's why the reason it's called a, a video podcast. You know, well, hell, I didn't stuff. major in technology. I, I, know, I, know, I know you're stuck out in the sticks there, but, you know, we do video <laughs> podcasts here now. Nowadays. Hey, I, hey I, get, I got the antenna. You push the thing, the rabbit ears and everything. It goes around. Awesome. I got my AM, I got my AM, FM radio on, and I got my... Uh, uh, <laughs> I got my old tape player in there. We're ready. And you, you got your cassette player on the side there. I, I got it sitting right here. <laughs> with, with your little cassette tape, then. No, no, I had the big ones in there. Does that the work? Big ones, the big ones, well, not anymore. <laughs> I just got, you know, it's like antique stuff. Hey, Rip, you know, as John said, man, we've been looking forward to having you on there as soon as, you know, I, I mentioned John, you know, let's get Rip Rogers on. Damn right, let's get him on. You know, we've been trying to work this out, and finally we got you on there. Your history is, is, is amazing. You know, the great thing about these podcasts, JBL and I get to do research on guys that we've known forever, and we find out so much more that, than we ever, ever knew about the guy, but you know, I, I found it very fascinating how you started. You were you were a hell of a hell of a college athlete. You played football. You played baseball. You did all the sports. Uh, hey, college. I scored two points. Two scored two points in basketball. And, and plus two you, points plus in you, basketball. Well, when you're from you, Indiana, that's all that matters. <laughs> plus you, plus you even had a two point grade average, which is higher than John and I combined. So, <laughs> welcome aboard, man. Talk, talk to us a little bit about your upbringing and, and you know, everything I've read that you always were a wrestling fan. So 
you grew up in a in a, a kind of bumper zone where you got the chic, you got the bruiser, then you, you got uh, Tennessee. You, you kind of had the, the the magic go around there where you could get a lot of different yeah. styles there. Who was was bruiser? And those guys, the one that you really looked up to, made you a fan that wanted you to kind of step out of your comfort zone of being a college athlete, being a pro wrestler. Buck, you leading me good there, Coach. Yeah, I grew up on the WTTV Channel 4 Indianapolis. I was born in Seymour, Indiana, went to high school with John Cougar Mellencamp. That's wow. why I was in his videos. That's why he And he was on the football team. So uh, he was out there trying. Of course, he had a pack of cigarettes, and he was rolled up in the sleeve because <laughs> he's a little bit – he was a sort of – he's sort of a – I love that when you wrap your cigarette package in your sleeve there. John probably did that out in Texas all the time. <laughs> So I grew up on Dick the Bruiser wrestling. So Dick the Bruiser was God. So in my, and you go in my bedroom, there'd be nothing but pictures of Dick the Bruiser on there. So uh, when I when I graduated from high school in 1972 at good old Seymour High School, I said I'm going to college, play football, and I'm going to find out some way how to be a pro wrestler. Wow. I didn't know how I was going to do it because everything was, it was let's say it was it was uh, tight lipped. Put it that way. So a little, bit, I just a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter back then than it is now. In other words, <laughs> yeah. So then I could rotate my the antenna and go to Channel Five out of Cincinnati. I'd get the Sheik's tape. Then I could uh, Nick Goulish's wrestling come in out of Louisville on Channel Forty One. So now I'm watching all this shit, and then uh, I discovered at 2 a.m. on a Saturday night, I could get Phil Golden's All-Star Wrestling out of Paducah, Kentucky. Now I'm going, what the hell? Because somebody's working in both territories, but he's a good guy here and a bad guy there, so he's sort of like the unpredictable Johnny Rods, but you didn't know which one he's going to get. So then when I saw Nick Goulas wrestling, I about like shit my pants, because Bruisers was... Uh, They'd show uh, Expo Center. There'd be eight, ten thousand people there. The world's worst wrestlers at all. I said, please don't. I'm not going to go until the first break. The guys are fucking rotten. <laughs> all the locals. And then when Bruiser, then of course there'd be no music. The big ass spotlight. Bruiser would come out. He'd never sold in his life. He'd register a little bit, make a big comeback. And all oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're running out of time. But tune in next week for All Star Championship Wrestling. So Sam Miniker got me again. Then I come home from college and that's what I was at my mom or and I'm watching Nick Goulas all-star wrestling I never seen anything like like it before everything was shit and get it it was southern wrestling which I'd never seen before live except when I went down to uh, I went down to Tampa uh, uh, and uh, saw Eddie Graham's wrestling down there uh, in the, in the early in the early 70s and that was but they was uh, coach you that's when you guys you had more you had a more of an everybody was doing some some kind of amateur stuff every and i learned that every territory was different everyone featured different kind of heels and baby faces and it took a while to figure out so eventually i got in uh bullshit my way in got my carlin hildegard trunks uh i got the boots from 1999 were boots still 1999 there or were they 29 no it was 29 they were they was okay. 29 but i i remember i was reading an article in the briscoe brothers in government class in 1971 and fat jerry alexander was a a, a, a the government teacher but he moonlight at the great a and p 
And I was sitting right there in the front, so I wouldn't even hide. He had me up the front so he could always watch me because I was always scoping out the answers because I wasn't going to study. Uh, you know, I was a, I was a jock and was going to stay that way. But he caught me and he said, oh, he said, I'm reading an article about the Brisk Briscoe brothers, he told me. The Br Briscoes. <laughs> so I, he, he took my magazine, some bitch. But I got him back on. I got him back. We had these big hedge apples, and he had a brand new house. And I was a pitcher on the baseball team, and I and I laced that mother. I didn't break his windows or nothing, but I did a number on him, and I wrote Fat Jerry on his car with a magic marker. So what the hell, right? Why Fat Jerry? And if I'd have said, "Give me back my magazine," he probably had an idea who it was. <laughs> you don't think he had any idea who it was? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I pro probably they had stooges in high school. So they, somebody probably stooged on me. <laughs> so when did you first go to, did, you start about the tr boots. When did you first go to like a school, figure out where the school was? How did you get that to transition? Oh, I never, I was never trained. Yeah. I read, I read that or saw that you, you had your first match and didn't even know what, oh, what, what going shit. over was, what, what, oh. uh, what baby face was. Or right. Go, or I didn't know none of that stuff. You didn't this know none of, the, none of the terminology. How, how do you get along in a dressing room without knowing zero terminology? How do you well, get booked? Well, <laughs> who said he, I was booked? He's Rip I Rogers, man. He's Rip Rogers. <laughs> I, I walked in 22 years old with a black afro, the pick in my hair, jacked to the max. And well, I you, had you I been on the weights already? Because you always had a hell of a box. Oh, I, I was a fat kid, coach. <laughs> when I was 13, I was athletic as fuck. But for eighth grade uh, graduation, I got me a set of Sears weights and made a wooden bench. And I worked out two hours every day, no matter what. And today I worked, I worked out three hours today. I, I don't miss no matter what. I can't do nothing because everything on me is all messed up. If I fall down, I can't get up. But I'm getting away from the story. Back to Oak Hill. I go to Oak Hill, West Virginia, because a buddy of mine I met worked there and he called me. He said, hey, I just wrestled Oak Hill, West Virginia, W-O-A-Y-T-V. I said, fuck you, you did not, you goddamn liar. He says, no, I knew you wouldn't believe me, so I taped it on a tape recorder, and he played it to me over the phone. I said, holy fuck. He said, I got you booked next week, too. I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, you're going to get $25. I said, fuck, I was making $29 a day being a school teacher, right? <laughs> After taxes, <laughs> they, take the big, they took the big chunk out for the, the teaching dues or whatever. So we go back to uh, Oak Hill, West Virginia, and uh, the, the promoter's name's Warren Schoenbeck. And in the corner, well, I, I met Q the original Cuban assassin, Angel Ancevita. He just happened to be home to, uh, at Oak Hill, and he was wrestling that night. But I come in, and Schoenbeck looks at me. He goes, uh, Mike. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. His name was Scumbag? No, that was me. I was Scumbag. <laughs> oh, no, no, the promoter, what was his name? Oh, War Warren Schoenbeck. Oh, okay. <laughs> he walks in. He says, uh, hey, you look pretty good. And I heard somebody say, whenever you're, you're saying, Justin, just nod your head or agree with it. Don't, don't say anything <laughs> else because as soon as you open your mouth, they'll know you're a fucking idiot. So that was what I always preached. So the guy said, uh, 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 you look pretty good. I said, okay. 
He says, uh, you a baby face or a heel? I said, yeah. <laughs> he goes, okay, uh, you be a baby face. I said, okay. He says, now, uh, when you get the pencil, go home. Okay, and I said, okay, I'm a baby face. I'm, I'm smiling. When I get the pencil, go home. When I get the pencil, go home. And then there's B.B. Coleman to my right. He's wrapping fucking blades and putting on his goddamn fingers. I said, I'm glad I ain't wrestling that so bitch. He go out there and cut me up. So I get in the anyway. He said, "You go over." I said, "Okay." I didn't know what go over meant, but I, then I went out there. I had all my my Carlin Hildegard shit on, the shimmer cape, sunglasses, uh, and then I I started yelling at people because I saw the I saw the guys do that on TV. Right? I didn't know if it was a good guy or bad guy. Hell, I just wanted to do it. I didn't give a shit what it was. I was half-ass stro- stroking my meat out there. I was in such heaven. And even even in hillbilly, fat, hillbilly girls, they was looking semi, semi-attractive out there. So, so I, I'm going out there. So I'm going to wrestle this guy. And the guy says, uh, grab my arm. I said, fuck you, you know. So then he fucking, he just looked at me and he fucking hit me right in the fucking ear, right? And I said, fuck, that didn't even hurt. I said, I must be really amped up, right? Then he hits me real hard. I said, oh, fuck. He goes, that's better. Sell. I went, I said, wait a minute. Sell. I've heard that name before. I heard him say that before in the dressing room when I'd come by. Then everybody'd shut up after they'd say that Faye thing or K or Faye K or, or fake or whatever. Oh, K Faye, whatever. So whatever it was, they'd say that. I didn't know how to pronounce it or whatever like that because everybody, everybody was K Faving me. So I had my first match, and I just uh, hit the guy so hard, he walked out on me and just took a count out. And I won, and I jumped up and down, and I was over. So B.B. Coleman looked at me, and he's got the blades all over his finger. He said, hey, I'm, go- I'm going to Allentown and the old Philadelphia arena to work WWF uh, in two weeks. You want to go with me? I said, hell yeah. He said, now my plane's in the shop. And I said, my car's getting, the, my Cadillac's getting the paint job, so we'll have to take your your Pinto. I said, okay. <laughs> so so I'm driving from Indianapolis to uh, uh, Canton, Ohio. Yeah, Canton, Ohio to pick him up. And he had a house that looked like Herman Munster. So I brought one of my other buddies that wrestled in college, Hoss Tweed, so we had three in the car. So I had a five-speed, but I fell asleep, so he was driving. So he was dri- driving in four speed all through the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I think it's just going. <laughs> but we made it. So I worked with Georgie Animal Steel, and they do the uh, the fucking green gimmick spit. And I worked with uh, Fuji and Tanaka, and I blew my knee out just getting up, just getting up. Boom! Fucking there went my goddamn knee. But it didn't matter. Uh, on the ride, I stopped at some spot show. We just stopped in. We worked. I had a riot because I, I was all of a sudden I was BB Coleman Jr. on fucking crutches, and I guess I got a little bit too heat because I was trying to do like stuff I saw on TV, and the fans started attacking me and shit. So they called the National Guard to get me out the back window there. So I said, "Man, this is the greatest fucking weekend of my goddamn life," and it had a couple fat girls that wanted to suck my dick. What, can I say that? <laughs> you no, that? Just no. did. <laughs> okay. Well, I had a couple of fat girls and uh, we had some dates, I guess, or whatever like that. You, you, you had some well-fed girls that wanted to take and relieve the pressure. 
<laughs> yeah, that was it. But that was. Hey, that Rick, was, lower oh, your hey. camera just a little. Oh, yeah. Oh, there, there we go. Look at okay. you. I'm hold, I've been holding it the whole time. But Johnny Rods was there, and Johnny Rods saved me. We was at the uh, the Lincoln Hotel. Uh, I think that was Philadelphia with the Philadelphia Arena. Were you Rip to... Rogers? Were you Rip? Oh Rogers? no, I was. I was my real name. So I got paid from Monsoon. I got super. I got autographed superstar Billy Graham uh, picture. I had every. I had cap. I had must have had every legend there was that signed that son of a bitch. And that was my most prized possession for years and years. But uh, but I went out to I went out to Cauliflower Alley a couple of years ago. My basement flooded. I lost every every picture, every video, everything I had about wrestling was gone because of black mold and shit. So that was karma for me just being an asshole. So, uh, <laughs> but, but, but such is life. I'd still do it all and still do the same. But Johnny Rods was there and guys was ribbing me. They was taking my underwear and, uh, and had some guys fucking with me when I was playing pool. And I was out of my league. I, I, I'm the nicest guy in the world. I've never been in a real fight in my life. Now I'll fight you on the football field or whatever, but in, in no, I, I, I wasn't raised to fight or something like this, that. This is your first experience outside Ohio and, and professional uh, wrestling, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so you're, uh, you're, you still hadn't been formally broken. Oh, I didn't know anything. Still. When Gino saw you, because Gino's a pretty sharp guy, what, what was his reaction? Did he ask, did he question you on your back? No. No, he didn't. That's sign I guess here. I, could. <laughs> I, I get, yeah, I, I got my money. That's all I mattered. And then uh, uh, I said, I, I said, God damn. Uh, to him, I says, man, you're big. I said, I heard you're tough too. I said, don't hurt me. And that was it. He just started laughing, right? I said, I know, I know, I'm going to make him feel like a million bucks so I can make, he'll make, maybe let me work this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you worked with but Johnny Rock, Johnny Rock. What's that? When you worked with George Steele that that, that weekend. Did, oh, I did was you know? Did you know anything about the business? There was work and all that. No, I was, but I was neither, neither did George. A, I, was a school, <laughs> I was a school teacher and a football coach, and the he was a school me. teacher and football. Yes, coach. and my my the guy I brought with me was too. So we sort of bonded, and he told me everything to do, and it was now all of a sudden I said, man. This is the greatest. This is the most fun I've ever had in my life, because he told me, and I got the green mist. It couldn't have been any fucking better. I went to the gym with uh, Bob Backlund. Took me to the gym. Uh, I, I mean, oh man, I was just floating the the whole weekend. It was it was it was just fucking great. I said, man, I can't believe this. Here I am from Seymour, Indiana, and I said, this is before any cable TV and anything. And I said, man. But I said, well, I don't want to tell nobody back there. Fuck all them people. I want to get into wrestling business so I can talk to more wrestlers and get smart or uh, get my education of wrestling. So, and so then did, you, did all... you drop out of school at that time or, or were you? Oh, you, no, you, no. You I was already school. graduated. No, I was, right? no. In about six weeks, I was now. Now, I was teaching school when this was happening in Union City, Indiana, where I was a football coach. So all of a sudden, uh Dick, now, now Bruiser was started using me and the Sheik was using me and Nick Goulas was using me. So like Bruiser, he booked me in all night in Danville, Illinois, drove all night to Kansas City TV, St. Joe TV, worked at the Chase, got to work with goddamn Murdoch and fucking Flair. And 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 I said, I come right back to Union City. I said, uh, fish, I said, fish lips. That was the, the, the principal's nickname. 
I said, uh, Coach Shira, I said, from now on, I, I, I work Monday through Thursday. I said, take my sick days, my personal leave days, and then go fuck yourself. I said, <laughs> I, and my brother was a lifer school teacher coach. And I, and I said, I'll never be coming back to here. The only good thing about Union City, Indiana is across the street was Ohio. So I could uh, get a lottery tickets to send them back to my dad and my grandparents because I didn't have it in Indiana at the time. <laughs> but, 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 but such is life. So you never learned how to hit the ropes. Nobody showed nothing. you that. Nobody showed you holes. Nothing. Suplexes, I nothing. 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 I tell everybody I was the worst wrestler in the world, but I shut the fuck up. And I learned because what I did was, uh, I, when I was working for Bruiser, Paul Christie said, now this is 78, uh, summer 78. He said, hey, Popos are going to the Maritimes. They're looking for some young guys. I said, well, I'm young, but that's about it. So he gave me Randy's number. So I called, so I called Randy up and he said, well, come on up and bring, now, up, bring Randy, Randy and his dad and, and Lanny were yes. running their independent promotions at that time. I would, right? No, this was, this was the Maritimes and they partnered up with uh, Emile Dupre in the Maritimes. Right. Right. And this was Emile's first time with TV. And so I worked there. I was Hercules Samard. So all of a sudden I was a French Canadian that couldn't speak any French. <laughs> and then Randy booked me back in for Nick Goulas as, a, as the infamous disco kid who that was my uh, one of my great ideas. The disco kid. I mean, <laughs> you, were, you worked long and hard, Rip, to come up with that gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> At least three or four seconds. I think I saw something <laughs> on the wall said disco. Oh, right. Disco kid. Yeah. Now, did, 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 you didn't have back then. You didn't have any ring music or anything then. Did oh, you? yes. I had the big boom box. Oh, you I did. Had, so you had oh, the boom yeah. box with you. I was one. I was, I, I had music for the free bird. I had music for nobody else there had music. So I was sort of a, a trendsetter, baby. Ah, I was a trendsetter. Where I could, where I couldn't wrestle, couldn't sell, couldn't come back, knew nothing, but I was above average in uh, physical appearance for a youngster. And you could disco so, dance. So was that? Yeah. Did you get the boombox for the disco kid, or did you? Have yeah. No, I had a, I had a big boombox, and I'd come out carrying it, and then when we get to the arenas, the guy would play. Uh, the, he played over the fucking thing, so I had the the big entrance like Jimmy Valiant, except it was about. Uh, a hundred times quicker and a hundred times with uh, non-charismatic. And it was about as uh, fucking rotten as, as you could get in the world in every aspect of my career. And, so and, it, and in all seriousness, were you, you, were you the first one you think that had the music coming out then? What year was this? Well, this was, uh, seven, this was 78. Of course, Gorgeous George had it when he used to right, do uh, yeah. the pomp and circumstances, whatever. Right, yeah. But I, I, had, I had, at that time, I had never seen anybody doing it before. But then again, I was limited to the, the Sheik and Dick the Bruiser and whatever, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I have no idea. I just fucking did it. Okay. Your, your time with Nick Goulas, I mean, every, everybody that's ever been in the business, and that was one, you know, as you're coming up in the business, you know, when you're a kid, you you learn where to go. And I oh, that was always, don't go to work for Nick Goulas. You'll start as if you want to quit. And that happened to my brother. My brother just about quit the business working for Nick Goulas. He was ready to go back to coaching. And so, but he, he, he right. stuck it out. But what was your experience with Nick? And I, I love your, uh, your expression that you said there. 
I wasn't there to make money. I was there to learn. I was right. I wanted to learn. I just, I just wanted to survive. So you didn't know a good payoff from a from a bad payoff. No, right. uh, uh anything I could, all I wanted to do was at least break even. So Randy got me booked in there, and Randy got got me a three hundred dollar week guarantee. Wow. Unfortunately, Nick saw how rotten I was. So the first week it was two seventy. <laughs> the last, the second week it was two. 230 or 240 and then it was always about 180 no matter how many days i worked but randy kicked his girlfriend out for some reason for, for whatever so i was staying with him so i didn't care because we just go to the we would train all day at the gym and we had a game where who could spend the least amount of money eating <laughs> and if uh when there was electric bill i had to always had to pay one more cent no matter what because he was the god <laughs> but I learned I learned the wrestling business from the Poffos when the because uh, I was a business partner with them. Uh, the three Poffos, me, George Weingroff, and then when Rube Garvin and Orton come over from All Star after the Knoxville thing, they were there. So all the trips, I just shut the fuck up and I listened because I'm with all these guys that have worked for different places and they knew what was going on and I knew I knew nothing so just they'd ask me my opinion and I said no I can give you no opinion because I'm too I I'm too green to have one I said you guys have experienced all this stuff and I've experienced two percent of what you guys done so why would you ask me unless you unless you think it's a fucking rib but don't even waste my time with that I'm trying to learn this shit I said I, I didn't have the uh, like group I said Garvin you was a pro when you was 16 breaking in in Boston I said, Rupe, you are goddamn fucking Olympian. Holy shit. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and Orton, I said, you're a fucking Orton. God damn. You know? And I said, I'm just, my dad worked at the post office. I didn't know about in this wrestling business or whatever. I'm the only guy that wanted to be a wrestler that, that I ever knew of. <laughs> hey, Rip, what, was, what, your, what, what was your take on what happened in Knoxville at that time with uh, Bob Rupe and Orton and Garvin, those guys? What was your, what was your take on it? Well, first of all, I didn't really know anything. See, a lot of times they, everybody would kayfabe me because I was just still considered a mark. I just shut up and did what I was told. But what happened after, uh, for a while, they started doing their TV in Lexington with us, and we would have two matches for All-Star and two matches for ICW. That way, it was international All-Star wrestling. And then after a while, they pulled out of Knoxville after they killed that place dead in a hammer, I guess. And then Garvin was a business partner. Roop was a business tar partner. And Bobby Orton was, was a business partner. So we had all that great talent. And, but we had, and we got up to 14 TV markets at one time, which was bigger than a lot of, a lot that, of that's amazing. That's amazing. I heard all the markets. You, you had them from Puerto Rico all the way to Hawaii, right? Uh, pretty much. Uh-huh. And uh, some of them I got. And I learned how to speak. I learned how to fucking con. I learned how to be a goddamn wrestler. My, the only thing, the, the only rule I had. Is that you where you learned how to cuss? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I didn't really cuss. But Randy, when Randy would give me finish, he'd say, no, no, fucking do this and get the goddamn thing, do the fucking that. And then when I talked to Ole Anderson, he'd give me a finish. He'd say the same thing. That, that's so said, John and I talk about that. You know, wrestlers, I mean, you know, we could sit here and talk a normal conversation and never use the F word, but you sit down in a locker room with a wrestler right. facing and you start talking about the business. Every other word other, is the F word. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even know I'm saying it. That's <laughs> how bad it? I am. 
Yeah. I remember I'd say something like that at home. My mom would say, Mark, what are you, t- what are you doing? I said, oh, mom, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> I had to zip my mouth at home and everything. But anyway, that's where we were at and that's where we were going. So yeah, your TV, all- where, where, where all were your TV markets? Okay. We had, I got the one in Oak Hill. Uh, then we had uh, the John- Johnson City. Then we had uh, Hazard was our first one. And then we had Louisville, Lexington, Evansville, and Memphis, which were were all where Jarrett's run. Then we had four TVs in Illinois, which hit to Cape Girardeau, uh, uh, up to Springfield, Champaign, Urbana, all up there. So we had four four there. And very few people were running in Southern Illinois was a gold mine for us, just like Eastern Kentucky was a gold mine for us. And then we had Garvin, who was over off the Knoxville TV, so so strong there. Him and uh, and then Malenko worked with us for a while. Uh, a lot of times we ran two shows a night, but but I remember on two Saturdays, uh, no, two weekends we had three shows a night going. That's how many. That's how we had to hustle. Rip, but we had to rip, rip, tell us, uh, you know, in the old days, I, I I had to do the same thing when I was okay. uh, 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 working for floor or uh, for Georgia Championship Wrestling when we were going into Ohio and Michigan. Uh-huh. I had to go go barter for the TV station, and I had a difficult time because the sheik had burned everybody. Yeah, yeah she back, in, everybody back in those days. Yeah, back in those days. I mean. You know, you think you now you turn on TV and there's cable TV and you get wrestling shows from all over the, the, the world. But back in those days, we had syndicated TV, which you had to have a, but you know, they weren't free. How did you, how did you, did you work a barter system or were you guys paying for TVs? And what was your approach to the station manager to, to get a TV? Uh, fuck, there were a lot of good questions. <laughs> <laughs> but, but most of them, we ended up paying for them. And but the, but it was it's like if we was if we was wrestling or running against you, you're the incumbent. You had the strong TV with the great TV time slot that was never messed with. We had the, the weakest station in town with the highest you number. Had that channel eighty eight or 89. yes, that, that was us. That was us. Channel ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine point nine. You ever ever Saturday a, night at eleven thirty. Eleven thirty, or it might be after the late movie, and it's on at two a.m. So, yeah. or they might forget to put it on because we yeah. didn't pay them fifty bucks that week. <laughs> and then when like UPS would be on strike or whatever, my ass would be getting in my car and driving the loop and dropping all the tapes off. Now, some of the tapes, like the one we had in Puerto Rico, we got paid for. The one we had in Mobile, we got paid for. Two in Wyoming, we got paid for. And the Channel 20 that was in San Francisco, the Shires used to have, we had our, our tape on there a while. And they paid us. But we were like the, we were the ultimate outlaws. It, it, it was awesome. And I just sat there and learned by, mostly by being rotten. The old, the old man, Papo, Angelo, he was a bright, bright man, too. You could learn a lot from Angelo. I mean, they got, they got not only how to save money, but how to make some money, too. Well, it was like on saving. A, he was an only child. He grew up in the Depression. They had no running water and no electricity. So he's determined not to be poor. We go to a buffet, and he'd sit out in the car and wouldn't eat. <laughs> yeah. And when... uh uh we got some new tra- we we got some new bands 
He bought the vans. We got a new ring truck. He bought it. He says, you partners will never have to pay for anything. I just want to wrestle, have fun with my boys. And that's what he wanted to do. Now I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? And then we'd go out and we'd, uh, we'd sleep in the car a lot of times. But I think we had 16 people was the record in one room. We had the baby face is in Southern Illinois. We had the baby faces, the heels. We had the concession crew, the ring crew. And I remember I was sleeping under the sink. I remember. And then I, I remember I wake up and start laughing, woke everybody up, said, ha ha, fuck you motherfuckers. I made it. <laughs> and spend no money. Had a couple of fat girls bringing me food. <laughs> so so you, your, your, your deal with Randy I, I, was he who could spend the least amount of money. Yes. Uh-huh. And who, Randy, who, won? Who, who would win? Randy? Or oh, you? well, here's the problem. Randy was the most competitive person I ever met in my life. For no reason, as I would call it. And we'd have a push-up contest. He'd be smoking dope. We'd have the we living in the house. We'd have a curling contest. Pez would be over there smoking dope. I I didn't drink, smoke, do nothing. I was just a nerd. So we do forty pound dumbbell curls because we had weights there, and I'd do fifty of them. And then uh, Pez would do it. He'd do fifty one, and then Randy'd do fifty two. He'd go, I'm the champion. I said, Oh no, fuck you. I was sandbagging. Ha ha. Then I double it. I doubled it, did 102 or whatever it was. And he goes, contest over. <laughs> oh, but he, he was just so funny. Uh, he'd always want to, it, it didn't matter what it was. I'm going to fuck that girl before you. I'm going to fuck her longer. I'm going to beat you in this 40 yard dash, I'll run backwards or whatever it was. And, and Pez finally smartened me up. He says, stupid, let him win. I John, said, you have some work to do here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Let him win. I said, oh, Pan said, look, Randy's trying to bench press 400 pounds. He says, he says, he's out back doing something with the dog. So he says, put 400. He said, he said, put 400 on there and make it an incline. So I did. So Pez, that no, it's 405. So he does four reps. Pez does. I said, do you think I'm going to get that with when I'm going against Randy? Hell no. He's going to be the winner. Then he goes, you, well, I won't cuss, but he goes, you Mark, you know. I said, well, why didn't you tell me that before? He said, well, I kept giving you the office. I said, oh, is that when you're squeezing my wrist and stuff? Why do you, I wonder why you was doing that. <laughs> Holy shit. So everything was trial and error. So uh, were you... You were with Randy during the Waffle House famous incident, right? Oh, yeah. And, of course, Dutch, he, he's made four of them. And I, and I pushed a screenshot where he tell, told the stories where I was there. Now, all of a sudden, Randy goes in there by himself. What he's hot, what was so about who, him? We, we heard that story in there. Where they, uh, from, it goes from zero people in there to, to the entire card in there when they start talking. <laughs> oh, I was there. It's, it's like when uh, Snooker jumped off the top rope in Madison Square Garden. Every guy that lived in New York area was, was hitchhiked and took the train. <laughs> yeah. The you know, telephone, telegraph, tell a wrestler, and none of us right. Oh, tell us the story about that then. Well, it, it was, okay. Well, what it was all about, though, was I, I think the Rock's putting out the territory things. It was supposed to have been from all Memphis, right. but it wasn't, it wasn't 
from Memphis's territory. It was from Nick Goulas's territory. And this was five years before Randy went to Memphis. So they're trying to kayfabe that there and to make it look like it was during that time, but it wasn't. But yeah, it was me and Randy worked Wednesday night, which was for, for Nick Goulas. And uh, we got steak and we ordered steak and eggs. Randy had been smoking on the Bob Hope a little bit, the dope. And so we're sitting there waiting for our food. They're getting ready to bring the, bring the shit out when the guy that used to work there come walking in. Hey, everybody. I can't remember his name or whatever. He, and he says, me and my girl just are getting married. Congratulate us. Randy goes, who gives a fuck? I said, oh, <laughs> shit. And I was getting ready to slice that steak and eggs. You know what I mean? And so anyway, it, it was a Keystone's cop thing or this threatened, that threatened. The guy pulls out a knife. The thing probably didn't last but a minute. You know, and on and on the podcast, it's an hour and a half Broadway or whatever. So Randy jumps on the table. He says, "Throw me a knife." I throw him a knife, and that, and I said, well, "He goes, not a butter knife." He throws it back to me. <laughs> is yeah. that is that the true part of it? The butter knife. Yeah, that's yeah. the best part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's butter knife. Now I'll tell you, Dutch sure can tell a story. A and a butter knife, butter knife, butter knife from uh, from Waffle House is dull. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the cops come in, come in, and they were some of the cops that were at the arena. So they all knew Randy, and they're trying to talk to him, and uh, they're wanting to subdue him, and he won't let him. So they're trying to hit him. So he he took a couple sticks away from him. So then he and then it was sort of a struggle, and then Bo the dog was there and started biting him in the ass. Uh, <laughs> and what, yeah. what, what what was you doing during this time? I'm Randy. sitting there watching, going, damn. But I, as I'd always tell Randy, I said, if you're going to go jump off Empire State Building, I ain't following you. Hell, I'm a god. I'm a Catholic boy. You know, where'd I where'd I go here? What you're happened? You're here. You're here. There you you're are. Okay. You're okay. Okay. All of a sudden, I, you're okay. here. Okay. All of a sudden, something rolled on my phone or whatever. But anyway, no. This is this is before phones and stuff, right? This is this is 1978. So I got, so I got to go, I'm trying to get a payphone to call Randy's fucking dad and tell him to come get him because they're going to take him to jail because, and to call Saul Weingroff because George's dad is the jailer down there. So I'm waiting and his dad comes and we go down there and I show up and there's Randy's got knots all over his head. He's handcuffed to a big pole and everything. And there was Saul and they got him out and everything. And they ended up not doing anything or whatever but that was that was about the gist of it and you didn't but, get to eat your steak and eggs either no i never did get to eat nothing <laughs> did you have did you have to pay for them no uh -uh, they didn't give us uh -uh. <laughs> but i would rather soon eat, eat it because i I'd, I'd rationed it out where i was going to have enough money to eat that day because nick would pay you he said hey he called me disky it ain't what you make it's what you save i said god damn he goes, well, well, I'd like to pay pay you what you're worth, but I got to pay you something. <laughs> I heard one one of my conversations with you, or I heard it from you directly. But yeah, you know that about about the uh, not what you make, it's what you say. But uh -huh. you know about Nick Nick's payoff sometime. Not don't smile because he would stop paying. Oh, that was like yeah, that was like Elton Owen in Portland. Yeah, yeah Piper smartened me up. Never smile. So I had about three ways I had to I had to prove the pipe. I had to knock the money off one time and and, and snatch a snatch a uh, hundred dollars worth of bills that were right there, and I, and I had to uh, let's see not smile. 
And there was, there was three things I had to do to pass the Elton test. I got some, I weaseled some free M&Ms out of him some way. Well, take, take us out to Elton, take us out to Oregon. Now you had a great run out in, out in Oregon. And uh, that was, God, that, that was fun. That, that, that's one territory that I always regret that I never went to was Oregon. And, it, uh, because, because of the, the, the atmosphere out there and the talent out there was superb. You had to learn so much when you were yeah, out there. When I was out there uh, and, Don Owen. I never how did you How did you get to Oregon? Take a take a fill on that journey. Okay, uh, Lanny Papa was working out there as Lanny Holiday, and we when we come home to make our ICW tapes on March thirteenth, nineteen seventy nine, on Channel forty one in Louisville, under directorship of David Tongue, we used that Dale TNT's man his license and uh, used his uh, used his ring, so we had that. So then, uh, me and Randy, we lived in Lexington and had. Uh, we was working about three times a week. He was working for the Sheik. We was working for local promoters, this and that. And then uh, I wanted to get away. He says, okay, you go out to Oregon, Lanny, get you booked out there. And he got me booked out. He said, you stay there till I tell you to, to come back. We're ready to go. Uh, so you, there's no reason for you to starve. So uh, I went out there, Buddy Rose was out there, Ron Starr, Adrian Adonis, uh, Ed Wiskowski, the Bushwhackers, Piper, Martell. Johnny Mantel, uh, it was just a, it was just a great run out there. So I stayed there about seven months or something like that. Then I come back. Then I went back for a two week thing just for to work a loser leave town because nobody goes back for two weeks to loser leave town. I beat Piper. We have a we had a big uh, me and Buddy and Ed was the new army taking on the Bushwhackers and Piper and then Piper beat me and I had to leave. So uh, but but they, it was great out there because they had. Uh, Salem, Eugene, Portland, uh, Seattle every two weeks, wrote the Roseburg Medford Loop every two weeks, was working the Vancouver TV for Gene Kaniski. And I had just had a great, and everybody stayed at the Bomber. It was, it was awesome there. You had the short ass trips. The women were, the women were plentiful and life didn't get any better than that. Was, was Piper the main guy out there? Was Piper as big a star as he? Oh, no, Buddy, Buddy Rose was the man. They brought Piper in as a heel. Buddy Rose was so over, they turned Piper babyface. And then, then uh, Piper was the biggest. Him and Buddy drew the most they've ever drawn out there over an extended period of time. Buddy was just so over. They just built they built the territory about the playboy. When they turned him babyface, the ring was ready to collapse. So many kids jumped in the ring. Just uh, it, 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 it was awesome. But it was a great place to work. And Elton Owen would Riff, here's your payoff. Well, uh, thank you for Elton Owens. He, uh, there's great stories about El Elton and his shooting payoffs. Uh, oh, 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 that's when you'd you'd work the the one uh, the, the the shoot, the one minute shoot or right. whatever. So you would go out there and act like you're shooting. So I'm so I'm uh, going to work Mac Bourne, and I said, uh, and Matt was a good amateur wrestler. I said, Matt, now don't go out there and beat me in one minute because I had Elton up to $80 for the winner and 40 for the loser, which he was going to split, you know, no matter what. And then Matt was young and green. He just, he just squashed me. And then and I said, God, and I come back and Elton said, ah, you ain't worth a shit. I'll never, you'll never get me again for a shoot money. <laughs> So did Elton never get smartened up to the fact that the boys were working the shoot? No. Uh -huh. Really? No. And then he would be like in, in, in Salem 
he'd be there. He'd be drinking vodka. He'd be drinking vodka and something. He'd walk by. Piper would throw fart spray on him, and Adrian Adonis would have a blade, and he'd zip his jacket or whatever. Uh-huh. It was. <laughs> but uh, oh, nothing, nothing but characters out there. And just to, for the for the people that are watching, they don't know this. That he would have a shoot contest almost every card, right? Oh yeah, somebody he'd pick somebody to have, and when it would be the shoot, he'd go right down to ringside, like a like a dog smelling blood, and he was hungry. Well, he was just just sniffing that thing up, waiting for it. They don't, and the they boys don't, were, the boys were working it and splitting the money. Oh yeah, you had to do that, and he and he'd get mad. Oh. Oh, that's a, that deserves a rematch next week. You know what I mean? <laughs> the guys would work a program with him. Then they, then the rest of the matches would come out and tie up lightly in a headlock takeover, clean and whatever. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, I, I couldn't believe he was just there watching that. But anyway. I understand El, Elton had bonus payoffs for just about everything, for a takedown, well, for, you know. Well, and- here it is. Okay. Okay, Gerald. Here, okay, you had okay. You you worked the prelim five zero. Then you had a hell of an attitude. It's an extra fifteen. And then then you had those two butterfly suplexes that I like. So there's an extra ten. And then you took a hell of a bump. That was five. And your selling was extraordinary. So that's going to get you a roll of pennies. Oh, he, they pay you in rolls of coins and stuff too. And and, and El El known the building also, right? No, that was Don. He owned the Portland Sports, okay. Portland Sports Arena. Okay. So we'd work there every Saturday night. And it, like we worked in Washington towns, we'd get paid by check on a Saturday night. And then he'd pay you cash that night. And then uh, like if you worked, uh, then Elton had the, the, the southern towns, like Roseburg, Medford, and uh, uh, Salem, Eugene, uh, whatever, whatever, Shahala, the, the rest of the towns. Right. Don, you, know, you never saw Don anywhere. Uh, uh, except Portland, Portland and Seattle, and that was it. And then Dutch was the Stooge, Dutch Mantel. <laughs> Dutch was out. Dutch. Oh yeah, Dutch was a Stooge. He, <laughs> in other words, he ran the town when there was nobody there, and he hated Buddy because Buddy was over. <laughs> <laughs> People don't understand how strong Buddy was. You know, and he was almost like a Dusty Rhodes here in Florida. You know, yes, in popularity. I mean, it was unbelievable. And that's the great thing about our, our old time, old school business. You had your regional stars, and you know some of those regional stars were happy just being where they were and didn't didn't venture out too much. So you didn't you didn't get a lot of them. But you know there were there were major stars in in their own territory though, and I, I really think that's cool. Buddy was there nine years, and years ago he worked Bob Backlund in the garden because he sent. Vince Senior, he, he I think Buddy was the first guy I've ever seen who made a video, played it to Rocky music. We had pick, uh, took videos, but Buddy would rent cameras and stuff to get himself over. Had hot girls in there with him and uh, sent it to them, and he and he got a he he had a run. You know, they'd fly him in for the TV and stuff there, but he'd have a a, a good WWF run and got to work against uh, Bob Backlund in Madison Square Garden. Just because he sent that video in, which is unbelievable. At what point during this time, I was reading on the internet. Of course, if it's on the internet, you know it's true. Uh, you had you had three boxing pro boxing matches. Well, I started when I was forty one. <laughs> started boxing when you were forty one. Yeah. Wow. So I in my first fight, I knocked a guy out 
in his hometown in the <laughs> second round with three knockdowns. Was it supposed and to I, be a work or? Well, it, I asked him. It was <laughs> you <guy>. asked him. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, well, I said, uh, if you give me your payoff, you can knock me out. I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> he says, no, I want to do it on my own. Because I was watching him, his, his eyes were turning red because he was so nervous. This was in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, somewhere in Iowa. Uh, I think it was Des Moines. And we had a fight in Chicago, one in Louisville. But, it, but anyway, he, he got knocked out. He was so nervous. He was a promoter uh, and everything. And then I knocked him out. You and knocked then, a promoter out? Yeah. Boy. <laughs> That's not good but job I got, security. Well, no, I got paid before I went in there. <laughs> but uh, well, the first 45 seconds, my God, he's trying to kill me. Uh, and all of a sudden, I seen him go. <sighs> I said, oh, you're mine now. And I can't fight. I But I look like I could fight. Some After the fight, some guy come in. He says, how old are you? I said, 41. He goes, but you look like you're about 33. I said, I can't fight. He goes, you look like you can fight. I said, I can make some money with you. I said, you can make some money with somebody else because uh-uh, <laughs> I, don't uh-uh, I, I got hit for real. I don't like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you get into boxing? Um, I run around with Scott Romer, who's the world's greatest wrestling photographer, who's been, uh, uh, was always, had a, his office was with Fred Burns, who was a boxing promoter in Indianapolis for 30 years. And he got me, he says, hey, we need you to guy, fight this guy uh, in a tough man contest, but we're going to have a boxing thing in Louisville. So, uh, so I'm going to fight Cody Koch, the Alaskan assassin. And if you look him up, he got choked out in his hometown and killed because he was drunk and he was always in fights and, and all the bouncers, they fought him and they killed him because they didn't try to. They just tried to choke him out because they scared of him when he was drunk. But I'm fighting Cody in Louisville Gardens. I walked in. Now I got bleach blonde hair and everything. Was cutting promos on him and whatever. He comes in there and we're in the same dressing room. Right? I said, "Hey, hey!" I said, "We're working together." What? I, and I and I says, "He goes, I know." I says, "I said you're knocking me out in the first round." He said, "What?" I said, "You're knocking me out in the first round." Now I'm going to show you what I want to do, and you just do that, and we'll be fine. So he did that. He come back laughing. He said, that was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Can we do this a whole lot of times? I said, well, they got records of all this shit. And I don't think we, I said, years ago, if we was Jack Dempsey, we could be doing that. But doing it now, I don't, uh, I don't think it's going to be happening. But then the, the guy that I fought knocked out. Then I had Romer fighting. I, I choreographed a fight for him in one of the quad cities. Because Hector Macho Camacho worked, he worked on the fight that night, I remember. And Romer got knocked out in the first round by the guy, the promoter I knocked out. So uh, everybody was happy. <laughs> so what made you stop the boxing? Oh, some Mexican beat me half to death. <laughs> I said, I told the guy, I told Pete Susans, he works for one of the big boys now. That's I said, same with Hodge, by the way, too. I, I said, I'll fight anybody as long as they ain't a Southpaw. So a Mexicano comes in there and he's a Southpaw and I knew, and I was toast and he hit me. It was just like the Rocky movie where everything's spinning and my body like discombobulated. I was just like a blob just boom, and I was done. 
Now, if I could have fought some ringers, which I was offered, I, I should have done it because you're only young once. And what the fuck, right? Uh, you got to have fun in life. But that, but that was that. <laughs> so how, how did you end up with uh, Rock over in Hawaii? You, you were on, were you on the big show that Adam promoted, or you didn't I, make that? I, I you, was were down in, you were down in Florida, weren't you? I was advertised. I didn't go. I didn't want to go. I said, "Shit, are you, you kidding me?" Have you been over, over there? there? Had you worked over there? No, did not want to work there. I said, "I'm here in I'm here in Tampa. I don't, I'm not. I don't care about the ocean. I'm not going to fly all the way over there, all the way back. Probably get stiffed on a payoff on a 12-hour show. They had about 60 guys there. What it was? So, so I said, because Wahoo should uh, go. I said, Chief, you can tell him I'm. I, I ain't going. There ain't no way. So I went through the whole thing. He said, well, that's probably going to happen, but it'd be a good vacation. I said, uh-uh, I ain't going. Uh-uh. So that was that. <laughs> so after Portland, where did you end up going after Portland? Oh, this that's when I was with ID, ICW for four years. I was with ICW for four years. And then, uh, uh, then, I, then I left in 83, and I went right. To, I did TV for Fuller for a week in Pensacola. Then I worked for Knott's for, Watts for five months. And then I went from Watts, I worked for Ron Fuller for 11 months. And then when uh, when when you guys had the thing with Ole and Ole got the early time slot and Vince got the, the better time slot, Ole called me up and I, I was going to leave. He says, uh, uh, Road Warriors are leaving. They're going to Minneapolis. Uh, can you come in here? I'll make you a Hollywood blonde with Ted Oates and you can be the transition champion. I said, well, okay. So I always wanted to work for, because uh, I, I was one of those stupid guys that never give a shit about the money. Really, I was too I was too interested of having a good time and to learn. I know that sounds stupid, but to, but to learn, I wanted to learn every every different style. Because uh, you go to Watts' territory, it was different. Then I get to work for Fritz over there because it's in hell. I got to work with Mel Maskers a couple times, and he, and they paid you good. And I said okay. He's gonna take a, a shower with uh, with his with his hood on, and he ain't gonna fucking sell, and I and uh, and that'll be about it. There ain't no sense trying to get any heat because he's just gonna fight back. I, I don't give a shit. Just pay, just pay me and uh, do a good job. You so, you were you, you were one of those guys too that had a good influence with had a good ear with Ole, and uh, you you helped get Stephen Regal in in the territory. Is that correct? Well, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Later on. Ole, I ran developmental towns for Ole when he's with WCW, uh, and I would run the Indiana towns, and ha- he'd give me like five days, and I'd get five high schools booked or whatever. But yeah, when I was in uh, when I was in Austria and Germany, me and Regal stayed together, uh, and uh, I said, okay, this is when Watts was in, and I said, uh, I did, I said, I left Watts. You want to go work for there? He goes, yeah. I said, uh, how's your handwriting? He says, real good. I says, okay. Uh, write this letter. Let me dictate it to you. So he wrote Watts a letter. In about two weeks, he got a phone call, and he got he got a job there. Then he got Fit in. Then he got Dave Taylor in. But and then I got and I got Max Payne in there with Watts too because I sold him that he was a uh, uh, an, an All American at Oklahoma State uh, as Daryl Peterson. So Regal got his run, and uh, uh, we had some fun. So what the hell, right? When when you were over there, did you work with Fit? Uh, Eddie. Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, I told Oli. I said, Oli, I said I seen this guy, and I think he's the best heel I've ever seen in my life. He goes, Well, how tall is he? 
I said, hell, I don't know. I never even thought about it. And I'm, and I'm a worker. I was just so mesmerized how he always had control. But it was, when it was time for that baby face to fucking to return to goddamn favor, he was always right fucking there. I guess Fitz, Fitz been working since, since he was 14 or something like that. Well, where'd you work for Otto? What, what towns? Uh, let's see. Uh, we started out in uh, Seaboden, Graz, and uh, uh, Vienna. Uh, then we went to Hanover for 70 days. And then we didn't go to Dortmund. The Dortmund thing canceled. So I went over to England and stayed with Regal. And we worked three weeks over in England for All-Star Wrestling. And then uh, after that, we went back and finished up at Christmas in uh, Bremen. Yeah, that was the same. That was the same town yeah. as I worked. It's mm-hmm. it almost exact from starting with Z Bowden all the way down. All yeah. The way uh-huh. Yeah. In fact, when I signed with WWE, I'm sitting there with Vince. First time I ever met him. He says, anybody else in Europe that I should sign? I said, yeah, Fit Finley. And Vince uh-huh. says, so should I sign him instead of you? And I looked at Vince. I said, if I were, I w- if I were you, I would. Oh. <laughs> he just looked at me. <laughs> I said, that guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But but by then, Finley had already agreed to go to WCW, I believe. And so I don't Probably. think Vince ever reached out to him. Uh-huh. But he oh, was, but- Finley was, uh, people don't realize how good Finley was, when, especially right. when he was in Europe. He was. Uh-huh. Oh, he, he, we would go to the bars. I didn't drink. I just go with him to watch him. And the, the marks would try and shake his hand. He broke one guy's thumb. <laughs> and then somebody said something and he head him. And the guy was just down there. Uh, and I just, uh, let's get out of here. So, uh, and, the, and the cops just, oh, it's just, it's just Finley, you know. <laughs> That's right. Oh, but. Uh, I, I, tell you, I tell you a great story of Finley. We had, a, I got a little too much heat one night in Vienna. And uh-huh. they had, Otto had to send the boys out to get me back because the, the security wouldn't help me. So uh-huh. I'm out there, you know, trying to get back to the dressing room. Here come the boys. And I didn't realize that somebody behind me had pulled a butterfly knife and they made some uh-huh. big production out of it. They're going to stab me. Yeah. Well, when the Finley comes by me and shoves me and I look and I see Finley shove me, I said, great. Now even Finley's fighting me. That's what uh-huh. I'm thinking. I'm like, what the hell? But he's shoving me out of the way and he goes after this guy with a knife. The guy looks up and sees it's Finley, throws the knife down, turns <laughs> around and runs and jumps over this fence. That's, that's how that's, that's how scared people were of Finley over. In oh Europe. yeah, it was just uh, it's just like uh, the first match he had with Regal in WCW. He just shattered Regal's face, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's just much yeah. big or whatever. And uh, Regal just sitting there. I said, I look and I said, what the hell? He goes, oh, that's just. That's just me and him working. That's just fit. (laughs) Yeah, that's just the way it is. I remember the first time I worked with him in Germany. Now, I went over there, and uh, Peter had me work a a poof gimmick, baby face, because they were short on the heels. I worked that in in the Austrian towns. And then so when we come back to Germany, he said, no, you're still working that. So Otto had me working the poof gimmick the whole time. So I had it made. So all I had to do was act like Adrian Street, who I'd worked six months with. I had him down. To, uh, I had everything down with him. And I had the greatest time of my life because I didn't have to do anything. And then, uh, God, that was fun. That was, uh, that was just so easy, man. That was money. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was one of the greatest territory. I wish that territory was still there for, for guys to work. It was such a great territory. Yeah, we worked 70 days in a row in Hanover. And uh, the one town, uh, God, I'm trying to think, Cologne. Cologne used to run 364 days of the year. One, I can't remember. I, I think it was New Year's Eve. They did not have wrestling. But that's, but that's how... But that's how over that was, because I remember the people. Was that the same venue every night? Yes. Wow. They would they would save their money like all year, like you could be there. Like just an example, fifty days for for five bucks a piece. So they'd save up and get uh, two hundred. They had the ringside seats, just like uh, he was working uh, at a basketball game or the uh, a Colts game, the Packers game, the Cowboys game, whatever. You had the regular seat and everything. God, that, that was just, that was so much fun. There was there was no traveling. Right. Uh, Mick McMichael told me wrestling was so big over in the UK and Europe that at one point they had 23 shows on one day in London. In London wow. alone, 23 shows. It was just it was unbelievable how <coughs> wrestling was with, with Big yeah. Daddy and all the guys. It was what what a great uh, the whole thing. What a great bunch of territories. Yeah, and and the, the Englishmen, they were all funnier than shit, and they, <laughs> and they would just soon stick a knife in you, pull it all the way up, and gut you, looking you in the eyes and not saying anything, and just glaring at you. <laughs> and that was a typical Englishman. <laughs> did Did you have any matches with what was a uh, Big Daddy or Haystacks or anything? no, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, Big Daddy. The first time I saw him, I was in South Africa in 87. I saw that tape and I saw Big Daddy. I'm going, what in the hell is this, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People just bouncing off his belly and everything. But when, when Regal started, he was the young boy. and He got to be Big Daddy's partner so he'd get to sell. But it got him booked. It kept him booked. And then Big Daddy made a comeback. So. Uh, but Big man. Daddy was really over his, uh, I guess, son or nephew worked, uh, was a big rugby star at Huddersfield. Uh, oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, big six foot six guy would have been a great wrestler but he decided to play he played rugby for professionally for 20 years so wow he, he did quite well but he'd have, he'd have been a great wrestler Earl, Earl Crabtree's his name Shirley Crabtree's nephew oh and then, then it was Max yeah <laughs> they have they would have them little bitty uh uh I think it was the 14 foot rings yeah, the wow. fourteen foot rings there. So I've been uh, the rings from fourteen foot to twenty four foot boxing rings in South Africa with the four the four rope the rope ropes, and if you take a slam, you might not get up. It, it hurt so bad. <laughs> that was awesome. You know, Jerry, you talk about the four ropes. I don't know how that's that's got to be tough to run the ropes when it's four. Well, that's when it, it, it is. If if the ring's a little bit bigger, like yeah. a twenty foot ring, but if it's an eighteen twenty foot ring, you're okay. But when it gets to that twenty two twenty four, then then you try to hit those four ropes. It it just it's just different expanse expanse that that pushes you off there. It's not the same. It is tough. Yeah, you you learn to work without using the ropes a lot. I mean, you yeah. just you just do a completely different style. When when I was when I was went to England, I tore my quad in my intro, slipping on some beer against Regal. We've got to go 40 minutes. I tore my quad. I said, damn, my quad rolled up, right? 
So me and Riggles, we got to go for He goes, what are we going to do? We got to go home. I said, no, we'll go 40. We'll just walk and talk. So we gave him a 40 minute comedy match and I didn't, we didn't do anything. And I did, and my quad still rolled up. I still never got it fixed. <laughs> it was because I slipped in a bunch of beer, but I did, I slipped, but I caught myself and, it, but I didn't fall down. And, but then my, it went pop, sound like a, sound like a gunshot went off. Ooh. Regal was so good. He could do comedy. He could do serious. Yeah. I mean, Regal's really talented guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of those uh, Englishmen, you know, they're just just great wrestlers. Those guys were different style, but it, that, that's the one thing you talk about with all the different territories. Right. It was, it was so different to go from one territory to another, from haha to serious to big guys to blood and guts. It was every territory had a had a different style. Yeah. And in, in, in England, Rip, while you were over, did you see any guys, you know, other than Regal and Fit and uh, Taylor and some of those guys that you said, man, this guy could get over in the states, but they just didn't want to make a trip. Well, uh, I'm looking at. I was looking at Tony St. Clair. Yeah, he was. A, and, but I, but he's I'm one thinking, of the best baby faces I've ever seen. Yes, and I right, said yeah. they're not going to take four. You know what I mean? Tony's older. He's got the family roots. I said, uh, you know what I mean? And I said, uh, then we got, then we got, uh, we got too many shortstops on the softball team. Then you're not going to get all. They're not going to take four guys' jobs. You know. Right. So uh, I, I think he would have been a good fit, but I'm looking at it with Regal. You can retrain him Southern style, USA style or whatever, and still keep him different. But uh, Tony would have been set in his ways. You know, he, he'd worked so long over there. And uh, I just, uh, I said, well, if I, I got to think management now and I want the, I want the youngest guys as possible because you can train. Well, there there you go. Thinking management and everything. So, you you know you've you've done all these brought all these guys here. When did you start deciding? Hey, I I got to start thinking about something. It's time. When did you come up with you wanted to be this magnificent trainer that you've turned into? I did. I never thought of that, Coach. It just happened. <laughs> it, it just, just evolved happened. into. Well, I just I got back in 1997. I got back. I was I worked I worked the Maritimes four summers. I always went. I always liked to go there and work for Rene Dupre's dad. And he'd let me run the shows and do the finishes. And I'd take the uh, con uh, concession money back, the picture money back. He pretty much let me run, run the shows. And if, Bull if Bulldog Brown, he, Bulldog had a heart attack and, he'd be, and he wasn't there on the last time I was there, but I'd ride with Bulldog. And in Bulldog, he would just, we'd have the matches, but he'd always wait and wait till the end. What do you think we should do? <laughs> so, I, so I was just, I was just laughing. Because Bob was the official booker, because he liked to have the book and write stuff in it, right? But I, but I don't have to take him in the back and tell him what we want to do, and this is what we're going to come back, and we'll do this off TV, <laughs> etc. But you know, what the hell, right? Just have some fun, because I love. Wait, wait, let, let, let me, let me, I jump. When, when you were there, Renee had to be just a pup. Was he oh, already he was, pumping? Was yeah, he, he was already about, pumping the, the iron or what? Or was he? No, anyway? he was. He used to ride with me in '97. I think he was 13. I think he was 13 and in see, I, I got him in and I told him about it later, his dad let me hold the picture. He'd, he'd take the pictures and the picture money. Right. So, uh, everything like it was $2 a picture and he'd count 200 pictures out. So I was supposed to bring $400 back or, or the, how many pictures are left. Right. So I did all that. 
and I was even eating after the show sometimes. And he goes, where'd you get that money to eat? I said, Renee, kayfabe this now. I said, uh, I did the pictures and the picture money. And your dad said, now, now you sell them for $2, but I sold them for $3. <laughs> but I gave him back his $2 per picture. And Renee said, I'll remember that. <laughs> the hustler. <laughs> oh, God. But I, I talked to Renee about once a week. Yeah. So when did he get into the weights? When did he turn into a physical specimen? Uh, golly, within when he was 17, uh, he was in uh, the junior physique contest and whatever. And well, he was early all, in his life. He, he, yeah. Yeah. He was always, he still works out usually twice a day. So you were up there and, and you know, Maritime is a long ways off, of course, but is that when you started thinking, you know, I, I need to start looking at something transitioning to? Well, I, I went back and when I was home, I'd, I'd work for Danny Davis, uh, the nightmare in, in Louisville. So he always wanted me to be business partners with him. So I bought into the, so I bought into the company and then I'd run, run the shows or, or do whatever. And then, Corny got the deal, the developmental deal. And then Danny had all that stress of running everything. So I think he had sort of a mini heart attack or whatever. So I just took over. I just took over. Nobody ever told me what to do. So I just thought as I, what I, I, I said, they said, train him as a baby face. They bring him in as a heel or, or vice versa. So I started training them in both. And we we would just do we would just drill and drill and drill and drill. And I said, I don't care what you guys think of me. Fuck you. I said, I'm here to make you good. I'm compa- I'm preparing you for Vietnam. And if 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 you learn some of this shit, you might make. It. You're looking at your careers. It's my job to make you the best that you can be of, of the, the image I see you. So I don't want everybody bumping the same. Don't try if you're a fucking fullback. Don't try and don't try and be a fucking halfback. If you're a goddamn uh, tight end, you don't play split in, but uh, play to your fucking strengths and hide your goddamn weaknesses. And I said, and cooperate with each other because if this is, you got to, I said, you guys have got a one in a zillion chance to make it, but fuck everybody, you're going to make it. You, you guys had perhaps the greatest class ever to graduate out of, out of OVW, you know, back there with uh, the Ortons, the Batistas, the Lesners, Benjamin Cena's, and, and a, lot, a lot of great young ladies also that came out of there. Did, when, when you were working with those guys, I mean, most of them would you know, come to you just as green as green could be. John had a little experience, you know, out on the West yeah. Coast. But uh-huh. could you see that talent in those guys? Uh, I could, but I couldn't because some guys are practice players and some people are game players. Right. And you just don't know until it, till it's time for shit to hit the fan. Some people just come alive before a crowd. The personality that's not there is all of a sudden it's there. And I don't want to make, I don't want to make them robots. I said, uh, now half-ass do it this way, concentrate on the body part, watch the other matches. If they're working the leg, stay away from the leg. If, if, if they win, if they win with a small package in the first match, uh, or whatever in your match, give them a small package because they think you should get a little pop because they've seen all, they've already seen a three count with the small package. But I try and teach them psychology. 
But the most thing I got out of that, I got over 70 guys, jobs with WWE coach that walked into our beginners class. Like Santino, like uh, Serena Deeb, like uh, uh, Jason, uh, Jason, what was uh, the beast, the beast's partner, Crime Time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I couldn't think of his name because I'm looking at uh, Armando Estrada, two of the two, Mondo, Mondo with the, the Spirit Squad, Johnny GD with the Spirit Squad. So we had 70 guys that got that got jobs with WWE at one time that walked through the, the doors to the beginners class. And they all had such great attitudes. And I pushed, I pushed every button there was positive reinforcement, ne- but a lot of negative. I remember Randy Orton, I'd get on him because he had love handles. He'd come in, look at me now. I said, fuck Randy, that looks great. Aren't you mad at me? I said, why? I said, I'm trying to get you fucking shredded. You're a goddamn Orton. I want you to look like one and act like one. Well, not really, but <laughs> no, not act like one. <laughs> not really, but <laughs> so. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just so much fun. Lesnar, Lesnar, he, he's probably a prime example of somebody just, he, he'd never seen a pro wrestling match before. Right. Those doors. And Sheldon Benjamin, uh, guys. Oh, like Sheldon. Sheldon. How, how Sheldon. tough were they to, to, to transition into our business? Well, the, Brock in the dressing room, this guy named Vivacious Charles just ripped Brock about something. Brock just stood up backhanded. Boom. Charles on the ground about ready to cry <laughs> his jaws broke and i said brock he's just ribbing you he goes what's that what's said, oh god <laughs> oh god <laughs> this beast don't know what a rib is <laughs> yeah yeah so i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna ruffle his wasn't gonna rib him, no. <laughs> oh hell no i understand um, said corny got in the face one time and and, and god had to pull Brock away <laughs> Well, more than one time. <laughs> well, with, with when Jimmy was around, you got you got to let's just say there's a lot of passion there and a lot of emotion. Okay, <laughs> so uh, and he just wants the guys to do it right too. I mean, it's the right. Thing. You can't get mad on. You can't get mad no. because you got a passion no. for something. You no. love something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, was that was that any good? Oh no, but they'll get better. You know, a thousand more reps, and, and they might get it. They might not. If not, we'll bring a new batch in and let's see if they can get it. So, so I, I love Jimmy Cornette. I always have. I always got along great with him. He goes on the most coherent, intelligent rants I've ever oh, seen yeah. in my life. I don't know how he puts words together like he does. It's, it's and he's hard. I don't either, man. He, and he doesn't right. stop. Yeah. No, he can do a two-minute rant, and he you listen to it go. That was really good. He just threw <laughs> my ass out, and I liked it. <laughs> yeah. You've been friends with Jimmy a long time, right? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Did you guys work together a lot before OBW or no? No, he was uh, – I was the enemy. He he always worked for Jarrett. He always worked for Jarrett, and he had that success there. And then he come into uh, Watts' territory right after I left. And I went to work for Ron Fuller in Southeastern. But uh, Jimmy's just always been, you know, first uh, Memphis, Jimmy Hart was with, he, he dominated the heel scene. Uh, he was the manager in uh, in Memphis for how many years? And he got that, uh, the, the WWE run 
and then uh when he left then jimmy jimmy got the got the elevation there then uh he then he and he went to watches and then and then the rest is history but jimmy's about he's about the smartest guy that can talk to you on any level of wrestling i'm thinking he's, yeah, he's just I, really I smart and and i said and i said jimmy talk to like a fifth and sixth grade level for me and don't, don't 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 use those big words i don't know what the hell i don't know what the hell they mean anyway <laughs> hey you you mentioned fuller we got uh, ron fuller on coming up in, in a couple weeks uh, uh-huh. the the plan b that Bob Roop and those guys had the video. I don't know if you ever saw that. We just, I, seen it. I just saw it a few months ago. Did you, had you ever heard of that or knew? No, of it? I only saw it within the last two years. And I like shit my pants when I seen it, I did, but, but I'm <laughs> thinking, I'm thinking, no, it's all bluff. They're looking right in the camera. They ain't going to, I said, no, it was all bluff. That's what I was just thinking. I seen it. I said, no, I ain't believing it. It's all bluff. Now, now you've been around and you've been around a lot of those guys. Were there ever any leak? That's what I don't understand. How this thing stayed a secret for so damn long. I have no idea. They might've done something and forgot about it. Who knows? Then they found the, the thing in the can with somebody or somebody's house or whatever. I have no you idea. Know, you don't know, have a, any clue who found the thing or anything? No. Like uh-uh. I just, and, just and like obviously they did. They didn't have part two or part three because they were going to say, well, you know, stay tuned. We're going to talk about other things in this business. Right. Uh-huh. That, but, that's never surfaced. So I don't know if there was one or, or not. We've had Bob on, of course. Yeah, there. it just seems crazy to us that they made this video, which is a, a nuclear bomb threat. Mm-hmm. Apparently didn't use it. Maybe it used, maybe showed it to Barnett, maybe for a little leverage. I'm not sure. I don't know if they ever showed it to anybody, but no one, no one knew about it until a couple of years ago when this tape shows up, and all of a sudden you look at it, and you go, "Oh my God, it's it's insane!" Right? I saw that thing, and then I looked at it. I watched it again. I watched it again. I watched it again. <laughs> you can't. Well, I, I looked at the it. I looked at the tape date every time. You know, when did this thing come? I sent it uh-huh. to John. You know, John. Oh my God, where did I couldn't thing? believe it. I'd never heard of it. Nothing. I didn't either. And them guys, whoever it was, they kayfabe it good. <laughs> what, wouldn't you? <laughs> if I was trying to get booked, I said, well, yeah, if that thing went out, nobody would ever use them the rest until they was dead. And obviously so, none of those guys ever suffered from, from the fallout from that. Well, it's like Darwin said, huh, they may be the NWA champion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and look, look at Orton's career. <laughs> yeah, He's, there he is at WrestleMania, right? Yeah. Ace. WrestleMania Hall of Fame. I mean, it, it was it was almost that would have been career suicide if the tape would have played. Right. Well, but then again, years ago, in the, in the promoters, the Den of Thieves, which I was one of. If you could draw, I wanted you. <laughs> actually, actually, you're right. You're yeah, right. Man. I, I, did, guy, I did a guy as talented as Orton and Garvin. Those guys, <laughs> yeah, they'll find a way for them. Right. Uh, yeah, no, they, no, these guys are good hands. They learned their lesson. They're human. They deserve a chance. And, hey, I can make another couple of hey, Rip, it's, right. like a, it's like Jimmy Johnson. The first year they made the playoffs, some uh, backup running back fell asleep in the team meeting, and Jimmy Johnson woke him up and cut him. And so oh. they asked him later, they said, what would you have done if that was Troy Aikman? He goes, I'd have woke him. Woke him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Emma, Emma Smith. Yeah, yeah hey, that's Emma. right. 
not a woke human. That's all. Uh, Rip, I, I you know, I just, you know, with with modern day going on here now, and I, I recently read where uh, Pat McAfee, who just left the WWE and went to college at ESPN Game Day, which is was a is a great gig, and but yeah, he, he'll be he got a, he got a pa- he got a passion for for our sport and, and a love for our business. You you had a hand in and get training him right in in our business. Did you train him before the Vince match or before the WrestleMania match? No, he talked to me. I had tra- I had trained him years ago. He found me years ago. Now was what are you still playing football or what? Uh, I think I can't remember if he did. I, I think he, no, he had just retired, and I I was on his podcast. I was doing a podcast on his. I go down to his building three times a week and we and he'd do podcasts. Then he's he wanted me to train him. He only lives about seven minutes from my house, so I'd go the back way to his house. He had a big old barn. He had a, and then he's he always says a story. He got drunk and ordered a ring from Mike Samples, and it, and he got he got a ring put up in there. So I had about four guys training him. I got him. I got videos. Hey, Rip, puking I don't in mean the to bucket. cut you off. But I've been drunk and ordered stuff. I've never ordered a ring. <laughs> I, yeah, I've done ordered a few mathematics, so. <laughs> but I've never ordered a ring. <laughs> but Pat, uh, yeah, he had a ring right in there, and then uh, he said, "Want me to train him?" And he said, uh, "Can you train me?" I said, "Yeah," and I said, "I'll get all these guys that are different." Uh, and he was he taped a lot of that that stuff. And I take most of it from my phone, but then you got to pay extra to have so much storage or whatever. So I would just eliminate it because it costs two ninety nine a month more. So I said, <laughs> I, I ain't going to mess with that. <laughs> but no, he was, he was, he was, was an quite athlete. an athlete. Or, and, and he was, he, he was phenomenal. And then right away, I give him the, uh, the, the, let's see, he had the, the multi-million dollar leg. You know, so he'd hit you with the big, the big right. punt kick. You know, and that, yeah. that would have been, and that would have been the finish. But he, but he got it right away. He just always wanted to be a pro wrestler. And then he trained me. He he said, uh, "Well, he says, what do you want for training me?" I said, "Uh, whatever you think." And let's just say, uh, like last year, he signed some big thing with it uh anyway to make a long story short he gave all of his employees a quarter of a million dollar bonus wow because he he signed some big it was like betting.com or some oh, kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. some yeah, kind of sport one of the game of sports bets yeah yeah so uh about six months ago he he'll call me out of the blue and you, you can tell he's like he's like a wrestler flawed because we all got something wrong with us. We're all yeah. part criminal or whatever, but he'll always, he's got so much shit on his mind. He forgets shit all the time, but, he, but, he, but he called me up. He goes, Hey, you got a cash app. I said, what's that? You know, he says, Oh, on your phone, whatever. He says, well, get me. He says, get a cash app. And I said, yeah, right. So he calls me back the next day. You didn't get a cash app. I said, okay. What, what? I don't need a cash app. Why do I want a cash app? But anyway, I got a cash app, and he, he sent me a bunch of money just <laughs> just to do it. So he and that's him. He's just the nicest guy. He's the most respectful, nicest guy, and and he has been so successful. You know, he's he's kind of like uh, the Rock. You know, nobody says anything bad about him. 
You know, most guys right. who are very successful, there's always uh-huh. some haters or somebody who don't like them. Nobody dislikes Pat. It's, it's just amazing. You meet him and you just like him. That's like he come in, he come into TV and Michael Cole said, he come in with the, the sleeves slashed off, the shorts and the feet sticking Tyndall three or whatever it was and <laughs> with the shorts on. And they said, you need to change your clothes. And uh, Pat said, well, fuck you. You call, basically, fuck you. You called me. I don't need this shit. And Vince says, I think he looks wonderful. That's a great outfit. <laughs> Vince loves that attitude. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then Pat would just fly up there. do, And he told him he would continue, he would do game day and the, and the SmackDown show every week. He said, I can make it. I can make it happen. Of course he would be maybe dying a plane crash or whatever but, <laughs> but they said no just go ahead and do your game day and then get over basically get over him morning come on back so that's what he said he's going to do i'm so yeah. happy for him I, I don't know pat real well i met him a couple of times over nxt and every time I, he was so respectful as john said earlier i just couldn't believe here's this superstar nfl player he loves our business so much and he's so respectful of, of the past and of the talent and and how to, how to become better in the ring. And that's what I, uh, holy cow, this guy's a different breed, Joe. Yeah, he just he just loved wrestling. He said, I just hated football. It's punt left, punt right, punt down the middle, kick off left, kick off middle, kick off right. God, I'm sick of it. That's all I do all day. I'm going <laughs> to wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> so after the first day of wrestling, all of a sudden, oh, I can't move. <laughs> I said, well, in a week, you'll be all right. You know, (laughs) he's one of the best gets WWE's had in, I don't know, decades. You know, you you got Lawrence Taylor back in the day, which was, which was wonderful. You know, you had Bad Bunny and and Pat McAfee. I mean, not always when you bring in outside celebrities, does it work with Pat? It only worked. It may be the best outside celebrity. It's kind of hard to say he's outside celebrity because he's a, he's a wrestling fan and he wants to be part of business, but you know, he made a, he's everything he's done. He's made a ton of money. He's an all pro in football. He's got this massive deal with FanDuel and he's been fantastic with WWE. Yeah. He was part of the decade. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. He's a part of When I, I saw him one day, the first times I ever met him, I was we're going out to the, like the set or something and sitting out there and I never would have taken a chair from anybody anyway, but Pat, Pat gets up and goes, here you go, John, you can have my chair. He was going to stand up. And I said, Pat, you're an all pro. You're an NFL all pro. And I said, just sit there. But that's the way he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's which uh, is it's just good to see because as Jerry says, you you love it when these good guys succeed. When they come in, yeah. they love the business, they're respectful of the business. I've never cared about any celebrities coming in as long as they were respectful. Right. Some people have you know harbor, you know, ill will against them. I don't, as long as they're respectful about what we do. Right. God, just to, to be in love with wrestling for all these years and just thinking about all the shit you've done, the shit you've seen. And I didn't care if I, you go into the, you, you come in this world broke. I'm on a leave broke. But the shit I've done is I've done everything I wanted to do as far as like growing up and playing ball and getting into wrestling business and doing about everything there was and and shit whether I was drinking a goddamn vodka and coke or uh, a coca-cola 
or Kool-Aid. It didn't make any difference. It ain't going to cost that much money anyway. We've so, all drank still, a lot of Kool-Aid here and there, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Rick, Rick thing, what, what are you doing now? Are you still, are you training? What, what, what's going on? Well, I train again. And how do people reach out to you if you want to be reached out to for training uh, or anything else? Well, I I got my books for on sale at Amazon. I got my T-shirts on sale at ProWrestlingTees.com. I got a beer. A guy back home makes a Hustler beer. But uh, I'll work shows. I do seminars. Uh, I just got tired of the, the training. Cause I was seeing – I'm strictly old school. And I teach everything you call it in the ring. If you can't call it in the ring, excuse me, you're not any good. You got to be able to ad lib in there. You just don't know. You got a 12 minute segment. You walk through. They said, cut it to 10. The baby face is panicking because he's got all these prearranged bullshit in there. Then all of a sudden you get in the ring and there's the intro and they say, go home. What are you going to do? Well, I know what to do because I'm prepared for all this shit and everybody should be that way. And uh, that's why I tell people, I said, some of the stars ain't worth the shit. Some of the guys that are just there working are some of the most talented guys, but sometimes you're so talented, they let you carry other people and you don't get shot. But I love this business. I love everything about it. This is the business I chose to be in. This is the only business I ever wanted to be in. If I could have been all NBA, all NFL, all NBA, or Major League Baseball, hell no, fuck no. I want to be in the wrestling business till I croak, and that's it. In some kind of capacity, helping young guys to get better. Because I made every mistake there was in that ring. And, uh, hey, I'm right here and was never trained, so what the hell, right? (laughs) That's right. Well, Rip. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show with me and Jerry. We've been looking forward to it, and it lived up. To, it lived up to all the hype that that we had. So, so thank you so much for coming on. I got to see. I think first time I got to see in a long time. I saw you at some autograph session. I was with Ron Simmons, and yeah, got yeah, to we got to say hi to you. It's so good yeah. to see you and catch up, just just like it is today. We got our picture. Now, first time I seen you was in Global, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. First time. First time. I the last, yeah, first time was in Global. Yeah. Uh huh. So that was, was funny because uh, Pedicino called me, right? And I said, now I'm just doing enhancement work for Georgia, right? And they was putting me in the cartel there. They said, oh, it don't matter with you. <laughs> and that was funny. I said, you sure? I, don't, I ain't got no ego. I can go two minutes, one minute. I don't give a shit, you know. But uh, I remember, remember that the woman there took, took over the global. I told her, I said, get out your money will be gone these guys will rape you <laughs> oh yeah yeah there were there were some real yeah. sharks that came after after the yeah. there were some good guys that were there great right. was one of those guys but there were some real real sharks that came after that that weren't good guys yeah but but i but i, I love going there i love that i i never had a a, a good or a bad wrestling was just always good to me it does, it, it, you know, some had good payoffs, some had bad payoffs, some had good rings, bad rings, good guys, bad guys, but it's up for us to make the best of it and to make it better. And you learn all this shit and to pass the knowledge down. Like you guys pass the knowledge down. 
And a lot of the guys today, a lot of them, they don't really, I don't think, know if they want to learn or not. Uh, it's, it's just different. I, I just had so much respect for guys that were one day older than me. If you were one day younger than me, fuck y'all. <laughs> but if you were one day Rip, older... Rip, 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 I've had the pleasure of working a camp with you. I believe it was in North Carolina. And, and you know, old time rider, you know, we all approach these things different, you know. And, oh, right. man, I got to do this camp, you know. But coming down there and I'm working with you, Les Thatcher, and a couple other great trainers. I, you know, if you open your mind a little bit, I come out, I, I listening to you was, was my pleasure of that day. Just And I gained so much knowledge. Because we all have different upbringings and everything, but right, you, you, I can see the passion that you had for this business, and that passion is, is I think, I, I'm not around a lot of these guys, but I know when I'm around you or John or some of these guys, Ron Simmons, I can still feel that passion with you in this hour and a half that we've got to enjoy here. I can still feel that passion for the business, and it's so awesome to feel and so awesome to see. So. Keep up the great work, man. There are so many guys out there that owe you a debt of thanks, man. You're, you're truly a legend in this business. We appreciate you coming on the show, man. Well, I appreciate I've never had as much fun as I had today talking this shit. Thank you. <laughs> it got my emotions going. You guys are, are talking different generations. It's just awesome. Uh, uh, God, it, it was just great. That's like when I was growing up, the Dory Funk Jr. Your brother match was that was the best match I'd ever. That that's the one I said. Oh my God, you know what I mean? So I, that's I'm, I, it puts me back to being a little kid again. Awesome. So right. thanks for having me on here. If if I croak, uh, send my ashes somewhere or what the hell or maybe that's why I got Venmo or I got that cash app and just send 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 some money for when when they. Uh, I ain't gonna have it. Uh, uh, no burial, just the the, the, cre the cremation thing is cheaper. <laughs>